Welcome to the Aligned Women Podcast, a podcast to empower women in chiropractic to grow practices that work for their families. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton. And I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman. We're two moms who are navigating the journey of life and practice just like you. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Shauna here. I'm so excited to announce before we begin this podcast, an amazing new mastermind that we are launching in January of 2019. It's the Elite Women Mastermind, and it is specifically designed for women who have six-figure or multi-six-figure practices already and have a team of at least them plus two other people and are the decision makers in their practices. We've found in the masterminds that we've had over the last two years that these women have very specific challenges, struggles, dreams, and goals that need a specific kind of support. And ladies, we are out there for you. We want to make sure that you have a place that you can be in community with each other to support each other, to train hard, to talk about how to grow your teams, to talk about how to let go of some of the control that you have over some things in your practice so you can delegate out and become the CEO that you dream of becoming. We are so excited to invite you, if you meet those criteria, to apply for the Elite Women Mastermind. You can go to alignedwomen.com slash elite. We'll be taking applications until January 7th of 2019. And the group will begin the week of January 14th, 2019. We're limiting this group to eight women only. So if it's something that you feel is a good fit for you, then I would encourage you to go to alignedwomen.com slash elite and put in your application as soon as possible. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 78 of the Aligned Women podcast. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day today to be here with us. Dr. Shauna and I are excited, as always, to uh, be sharing today's topic with you. And I hope that um, you'll get some value from it, too. But I want to let you know before we dive in that if what you hear today (sighs) brings some stuff up that feels kind of... mm, like hard to look at for you, it's okay. We're here to help you through that. So reach out and connect with us. Okay, so that being said, we are going to be talking about the present and profitable 10-day challenge that took place at the end of October 2018 and some of the lessons that we learned from that experience of supporting you through that process. Shauna, how is your day going? My day's going great. Yeah, it's Awesome. It's a great day. It's been a great week so far. How about you? You sound sniffly. Still sniffly. Have uh, been sniffly since I got to Cal. It was like the moment I landed. It almost seemed like the sniffles started. And that was what? November 2nd. So it's been like 18 days now. That's crazy. I didn't realize it had been that long. Um, well, we kind of came back and it was like we were slammed into winter. It, absolutely. Yes. Not cool. Yeah. No. So surely by now I'm on the mend. (laughs) I'm sure. Either that or you just keep catching something new. Uh, Well, just, yeah. FYI, if I'm sniffly today on the podcast, then please forgive me. I'll try to mute myself before I blow my nose. (laughs) Cool. (sighs) Okay. Um, 
That being said, one other thing that I wanted to make sure that we talk about today before we dive into today's topic specifically is on our last episode, we talked about preparing for the holidays and um, the holidays are still ahead of us. <laughs> if you've not listened to that episode yet, I would I would love for you to go back and listen to it because there are some things that we talk about that will help you to be able to enjoy the season and a little bit more relaxed, I think. Um, plus, we have a really nice guide that you can get for free. And um, the guide itself goes along with what we talk about in the podcast. But if you want to go snag the guide, it's at alignwomen.com forward slash, oh my gosh, what is it? Forward slash holiday, holiday planner. planner. Holiday. Okay, yes, it's holiday planner. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would definitely take the time to listen to the episode if you haven't yet, because if you just get the planner without hearing what we talk about, I don't know that it translates well. So listen to the episode, get the planner, enjoy the holidays. Okay. You can do it while you're baking holiday cookies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the present possible 10 day challenge. It was awesome, by An the way. Experience. It was really, really amazing. I had some great ahas through that. So that's really cool to hear. I Do you want to know what my ahas were? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear them. That exercise that we did on day five, I've already told you this a couple of times, but that exercise we did on day five, where we had to break down um, sort of what we want as our hourly wage, and we're looking at the number of people we see, the number of hours we practice, the number of hours in a year, and therefore how much we make an hour. That was so amazing for me to really break it down like that on paper. It just made so much sense. I've never actually done it that way before. So I loved that. And I loved seeing that for me, what I was doing was exactly on track with what I was expecting to make. So that was cool. And then toward the end of the challenge, you did this amazing exercise where you looked at all the different sort of communication points or the, what did you call it? It was, I just remember the word community being in there, but. Um, pillars. The pillars. Pillars of communication. Pillars yes. of communication. That was awesome. Again, it's one of those things that just, I guess by the way it was laid out and how you taught it. And when I was, you know, when you were teaching, I was writing it down and filling in what they are for me. It pointed out a couple of gaps in my practice and therefore some things that needed to go on my quarter card for this last quarter of the year. So for those that didn't participate in the challenge, I'm going to kind of just quickly recap what we did in the challenge. Essentially what I wanted to create was like a, a bit of an experience of what it's like to be an aligned women member. Like what are we teaching? What are we doing? Like what is our teaching style? And, um, and just be able to share some valuable things too, that will help anyone that participated in the challenge walk away from it with something actionable that could make a significant change in their practice as well. So in the first couple of days, actually like the first three days, we talked about self-care. And this is one of the things, like this was one of the lessons for me in this 10-day experience. Um, I put self-care first intentionally because I feel like that is the starting point for all other things. And <clears throat> 
the, the, the component of self-care is like building the foundation of your home. In Missouri, we have basements. So it would be like building a nice, strong basement that stays dry. The, like a flood could come. And if you've got a good basement, your basement's not going to flood. But if your basement's got cracks in it and it's not very strong, it could fill with water. So what we would ideally have is a nice, strong foundation, right? And self-care helps us to create that foundation. Self-care was to me, like having those conversations right off the bat, I was like, oh my gosh, what I thought might happen here is happening. (laughs) People were like, what, how, like, wait a minute. I signed up to learn how to be more profitable in my business. And I was like, yes, exactly. But there's so much resistance that we have to taking care of ourselves and putting ourselves first and our thought process about, do I, can I actually do that? Do I have the time? Do I have the support with my kids? Can I afford to take more time away just to be unproductive? All kinds of stuff came up and it was like, I knew self-care was going to trigger some people, but this was a lesson for me, like that deepened my perspective of how important it actually is and also how challenging it can feel for for us in many different phases of our lives as well. Not just when we have babies. <laughs> to me, it really spoke to just how deep this idea of mom is at the bottom of the pile goes. Right? Oh, it bottom so of the pile deep. sounds like the pile of laundry or the pile of dishes. Yeah. And that's like really what it feels like when you are at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing an interview with, uh, her name escapes me right now, but, um, oh goodness, it was a show that was so super popular, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and um, Terry Hatcher actually is, and I remember her talking about the burnt toast syndrome, and I think that applies to us so, so well, that, you know, if the toast burns we're the ones who will say, well, I'll take it because we're, we want everybody else to have everything that they need and we'll take the crummy leftovers because we're the least important or we're, we're the most, <clears throat> excuse me, self-sacrificial. And the problem is in practice, you deplete yourself like over and over and over again every single day to a point where it does become unproductive and unproductive means not so profitable. And we have to be able to realize that. But just being able to acknowledge the fact that this runs deep in our culture, we have been trained like this since like, since the day we were born by probably watching our mothers yeah. do all sorts of things that um, you know put them at the bottom of the pile, that that's what we've learned to do. And there's I just heard so much guilt around the idea of taking time out and especially spending the family's funds to have childcare so that I can go and just go get a pedicure or go enjoy a latte and a book or go and just, like you said, just go and do nothing in particular for a couple of hours while I fill my cup and just re-energize the amount of guilt and almost shame around that shame in saying, yeah, I actually need this. That's, 
one thing that I really got from the conversation that went on. And so one of the things we want you to understand is that this is something that is, for whatever reason, it's happened in our culture, but we don't want it happening in the aligned women community. We want you guys to know that you actually, you're at the top of your pile. You have to take care of yourself first. It's that oxygen mass coming down from the airplane thing. You're no good to everybody else when you don't look after yourself. It's not a selfish act. It's a selfless act because then you can come back to the table much more yourself. Yes. On the note of productivity, you know, we we tend to look at this in a short-sighted way. Like I have to do all the things right now. I've got to get as much done right now as I possibly can. But what happens is the list never ends. Our, yeah. Like in practice, it's just like at home with the laundry and the dishes. You get the laundry and the dishes done and before you turn around, they're back again. Yeah. And it's the same with email inboxes and insurance billing. It, it never ends. So if you think that you're going to get to a point where you can then all of a sudden make time for yourself, it's very short-sighted. Um, and, and I know I've, I've been there myself. Like I get it. I know that it can feel really weird and kind of crazy to have someone else take care of your children while you do something that doesn't seem productive to the rest of the world, but it's unseen productivity. It's going to keep you able to do all the things that you do for as long as possible. Awesome. All right. So after self-care, then we moved into time blocking. And I asked again with time blocking that we start with the time that we need and want for our self-care, our family, um, friends, or specific hobbies, exercise, if that's something you do, food, food prep, meal planning, put those things in your schedule first. And then turn the page, go to the next day. <laughs> day four, we look at time blocking for work and adding in the work stuff later. And this is where it starts to get uh, like, whoa, wait. Okay. So I put the life down on paper first and then work. Yeah. We have this amazing ability to design our businesses to fit our lifestyles. Yet we overlook that. We often put the business first and sacrifice family and self and enjoyment outside of work so that we can focus on getting the business to where we want it to be or where we think it should be before we then give time to stuff outside of work. Yeah. You know, I, I get asked this question all the time. I'm sure you do too with your one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. And it, it comes up a lot in our masterminds too. People saying, well, I want to make sure that I'm open the hours that people want to come in. You know, what, what should my work schedule be? And our answer is always your work schedule should be the schedule that works best for you and your family. And it's so hard for people to hear that. I think until you've been on the other end of it, and you've done it, and you've seen how your practice can grow because of it, you can't fathom that you actually get to decide. But isn't that part of the reason why we became entrepreneurs? And for those of you who own your own practices, that is the benefit of you taking on all that risk and liability and expense and everything else. You get to say when you want to be there based on what works well for you and your family, and people will come. And there's always going to be people, I, I don't care what kind of hours you have, there will always be people 
who will say, well, that doesn't work in my schedule. That's fine. They can go somewhere else because the number of people that it will work for will support your practice. No problem. Yes. Okay. So after time blocking, then we talked about money and the exercise that you had mentioned, which you said was impactful for you came up next. And I asked our participants to look at essentially creating an hourly revenue goal so that they know that they are on track to meet their revenue goal, but doing it in the number of hours that they want to work, not in the number of hours that they think they have to work or should work. Right. And what does that mean for how you structure your fees and how much, um, how long you schedule your appointments for things like that. Um, also additional services that you might offer are other ways that you generate revenue in your business that don't require you to be present or just providing more one-to-one service. So that, that was one of my favorite exercises personally. Um, but that was another one that I saw a lot of people like, whoa, yeah. what? like my revenue goal is $400 an hour. I have no idea how I'll ever reach that. And to me, I think that's actually a really cool place <laughs> to be in. It's a, it's a very important realization, essentially, because without being aware of what your revenue goal is, then you don't know if you are aligning the other things in your practice like your fee structure and your appointment slots to lead you toward it. Yeah, exactly. And I I found there were a lot of people too, who, again, they were really hesitant to name out the money goal, you know, to, to say it out loud or to even tie themselves down to the thought of a goal. Yes. I anticipated that that would be something that would be hard for people to share. And, and I specifically said, take a deep breath, share your hourly revenue goal in the comments of this post, because I knew that people would feel like other people were judging them. And honestly, I don't care if your hourly revenue goal is $150 or if it's $700 or more, it's whatever you decide that you want it to be. Mm. Yet. Yeah. A lot of people attach emotional drama to the money component. Well, and I I think for a lot of people, it was that uncomfortable feeling of talking about money because women are not supposed to talk about money. And why? Why is that? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. If you're a business owner, we have to talk about money and we have to be comfortable talking about money. And there, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't make you money hungry. It doesn't make you completely focused on money. It makes you a, a successful business person if you know what your goal is, because then you reverse engineer, how are you going to get there? And that was part of the cool conversation is when people would say, well, I want to make $450 an hour, but I'm only working this many hours, or I'm only seeing this many people an hour and charging this, it doesn't add up. And so then that's the logical part of the conversation is, okay, what needs to change then in order to get you to your goal? And a lot of times they're not big changes. They're really simple tweaks And, you know, when we could sort of help people see where some of those changes are, then they could go, oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I can almost guarantee you that those people in the next year, they're going to jump way up in their hourly revenue because once you can see it and it becomes graspable, then all of a sudden you just, you just crash right through those barriers and start getting closer to those goals. Yeah. 
Yes. There was a phrase that we said in either the first or second, maybe both, um, fulfilled mama masterminds that was what you ignore ignores you back. (laughs) And it was like a reminder of the importance of tracking statistics and numbers in our businesses. Because if you are ignoring your hourly revenue goal, you're ignoring your year to date revenue, then you can't expect it to grow. But if you're measuring it and measuring it without obsessing over it, but measuring it, then you know if you're on track or not, and you know how to course correct if you're not. So what you ignore ignores you back came to me as you were describing that. Yes. Yeah. And so in that, I would also say measure your hourly revenue goal, but also measure your profit goal because they're not the same thing. And really it's profit that we want to be really focused on. Yes. Okay. Next we talked about defining an an ideal patient avatar for your practice. Uh, You're laughing already. (laughs) I'm laughing because I feel like we talk about this. I feel like we talk about this every week. (laughs) Well, we might. That's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know if we do, but we certainly talk about it a lot. Yet, as often as we talk about it, it's still a hard concept for some people to grasp. There are some people in our membership or in our masterminds, for example, that they they really own it and you can see the results for them of owning it. And then there are other people that are like, oh, but I want to see the kids and I want to see the moms and I want to see the dads and the grandmas. And yes, you can see all those people, but please trust the process. Define an ideal patient avatar so that you can market efficiently and effectively first and foremost. It doesn't have to mean that you're limiting your practice or building a niche practice. It's Honestly, when you know who that avatar is that you're speaking to, your messaging will be much, it'll land, it'll resonate with them. Yeah, clear. Instead of just feeling like it's like a broadcast to a, a really, really large audience and nobody pays attention to it because it doesn't, it doesn't stick or it doesn't hit some particular amount of those people. Yeah. It's FOMO versus JOMO. now that I finally figured out what FOMO is people often don't want to do ideal patient the the avatar or their avatar is so broad that you and I are going no 25 to 60 that is not an avatar that's you're covering three very different generations of people but there's a fear of missing out I'm afraid of niching down of defining my avatar so specifically because what if what if all the other people won't come in and then I can't pay my bills. Whereas when you're on the other side of it, where we have, you know, people in Aligned Women who have these very specifically defined practices and who their avatars are, then there's the joy of missing out because you're, you're, it's the joy of missing out on the people who are anchors in your practice. And they're people who, when they walk through the doors of your practice, you just go, you know, it's like, oh, so that's, that's what you just have to trust in the process, that you get to let go of the fear and you get to experience the joy of what niching does for you. And you only get that when you define a very specific avatar. Thank you for mentioning that important piece because I feel strongly that knowing who your ideal patient is for us who are raising families is really important because when we go home, we have so much more work to do. Yes. 
And if we're drained by the people that we've spent our day with at work, then we go home with nothing left to give. But mm-hmm. if our practice is full of people that when we look at the calendar, we're like, oh, I'm excited to see all these people. <laughs> yeah. Then we're, a- we're more easily able to go home and still have the emotional and mental and energetic ability to give to our family at home as right. well. Yeah. You don't want to give your best to the people who are not your VIPs. And by VIPs, I mean the people in your family, your most important people. And yeah, by having an avatar and speaking directly to your avatar and attracting that person into your practice, you get to still have lots of good you left, good juju when you get home. Yeah. Cool. It feels like so long ago that I would look at my schedule and see so many people that I was just like, oh no, not that one today. And I'm so glad, but that's not a factor anymore. I mean, Lord knows we have other challenges here, but um, gosh, I just think back to those days when I was coming from that perspective of like, I just need all the people. I need as many bodies in here as I can get because my expenses were too high. Okay, so the ideal patient avatar, from there we moved on to building a community, which was another another topic that you had mentioned. Um, The exercise about building a community in your practice, I have to be totally transparent and tell you that the community, well, actually it was part of the ideal patient masterclass for our members, which is now becoming kind of like, it's separating out into two Um, an ideal patient masterclass, and then a community building masterclass. But the community building concept comes from the book Tribes by Seth Godin. So you could read the book and look at it through the lens of how do I apply this to my practice? Mm -hmm. How do I create essentially a tribe? For a variety of reasons, using the word tribe doesn't feel congruent to me anymore. I feel like, I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. It just doesn't feel good to me to use that word anymore. So community is a, is a replacement word, I suppose, for it. But the concepts all come from that book. Um, there's like, Someone asked me last week um, about an idea she had. And she was like, I'm not sure that nobody else has ever thought of this idea. And I was like, there are no new ideas yeah, left no. in the world. We just all have our own interpretation of them. Um, yeah, so that was... Days nine and 10, the community building aspect of practice. And as you mentioned, Shauna, there were some um, some points about pillars of communication. And when we were together in California, I was like, yeah, I really don't like the word pillar. For some reason, it feels funny to me. But you described the pillars of communication as like, each pillar helps to support your practice. And just that simple switch in the way that you shared that perspective with me, it helped me to feel like, oh, that does make sense. And I don't know why I had such a funny feeling about that word before. Yeah. If you think about a building like the Parthenon, and I I just say the Parthenon because when I see it in my mind, all I see is pillars, right? It's got all these pillars that make up the building. Well, if, uh, you know, something came along, if a car crashed into one of those pillars and knocked it down, the Parthenon is not going to fall down because it's got all these other pillars. It would be like pillars that hold up a second floor deck of your house or something like that. If one pillar goes, then the rest are still there holding. And it's so, so, so important 
in your practice to have different pillars of marketing so mm-hmm. that if, you know, if it just happens to be the time of year where one is not a good marketing strategy to have, you've got other things that are still going. That's what helps to create a funnel that, that drives people into your practice. So that's how I thought about it was just, oh my goodness, it's such an easy schematic for me to understand the pillars of community, of building community and referral partners and people who help to build my culture so that I'm not doing it all myself. And so that if one falls out or it's just not the right time of year for one, there's all these other things going on and it just builds consistency. Yes. Yeah, that was so eye-opening for me when you shared that with me Um, because, you know, to make it more concrete, if you're like, what, what are they talking about? Pillars and referral strategy. Essentially we're looking at you as a center of your practice and how are the people in your practice, like your practice members, and then also your referral partners. And then people that are potential new patients to your practice, how are they all helping you to build your community, build your practice essentially. Um, So if you have a, internal referral strategy in place and you have a handful of referral partners and you, um, what, what else? Maybe you have some way of, you have a Facebook group for your practice where your practice members are able to get to know each other, um, talk about challenges that they share in common, but you're also kind of there as the, what do I want to say? Figurehead in a sense, right? Um, those there's three things there that are helping to build your practice, but let's just say for whatever reason, Facebook decides tomorrow that Facebook groups are no longer allowed. Like they're just gone Bye. then you still have those other two pillars of building your practice in place. So your one strategy doesn't just like get lost in the breeze, (laughs) Um, which would be risky. It would definitely be risky. Going back to time blocking, there was another point here that we had talked about, which um, we kind of breezed past, but this really came up again when we were like deep in conversation in California, which was about time blocking for work, making sure that we have clear boundaries about when we are available to see our patients, when we have admin time scheduled, when do we have marketing scheduled, when do we have CEO time, which can be continuing education, um, team building, et cetera. And when are you managing your money? And there's, <laughs> I, I did this for a long time, right? Like I would set my office hours from like 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Bam, I'm, I'm available for patients, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I was like exhausted. And very quickly, I realized we need to cluster book these appointments <laughs> because I'm getting nothing done this way. Like I see one patient and then I go sit down at my desk and I have new emails. I check the email and then there's something in my inbox that needs follow up, but now the next patient is here. So I feel like when you're going back and forth, back and forth and switching tasks like that, you get nowhere and it's really frustrating and exhausting. It's draining. Um, So scheduling admin time, like specific blocks of time where you do admin work that nothing else touches that time was pivotal for me. And if you don't have that time scheduled and you're feeling overwhelmed, don't, 
like, don't be surprised if you feel that way, because if you don't have dedicated time to just focus on getting that stuff done, you're feeling like you have to do it all of the time instead of in a specific time. Yeah, this was probably one of the single biggest things, excuse me, that Danielle and I have really noticed this year. When we look back over the year, when we look back over the Facebook conversations, the the one-on-one coaching conversations we've had, the conversations with our mastermind clients, one of the things that we realized is that in talking about this kind of this model of practice where you're practicing, you know, say less than 20, 25 hours a week, but you're still making a six-figure income. And women are still feeling overwhelmed and burnt out and exhausted. We realized that we weren't specific enough with having you understand that it's not 25 hours of clinic time a week. If, if, so say, for example, you have, let's say 20 because it divides nicely. If you have 20 hours available to you, The math, the way it works out really is about half. Half of that is clinic time and half is administration time. And so this is one of the biggest things that we want to really teach and train on and focus on moving forward into 2019 is having you understand that there is an equation here as far as your clinic time versus your admin time. And for every hour that you're in practice, it's about another hour of administration time. And it seems to work like that across the board, whether you've got a small practice or a larger practice, a small team, a big team. But if you only have 10 hours available to you, that's only five hours of treating time for patients. And so here's what we've seen is, you know, we've been talking about time blocking and amend time and CEO time and all that. Those are the things that people so easily want to gloss over and cut out. Like if I'm going to miss something in my week, it's some kind of administrative time or self-care time. Yeah, And so that's why this model is not going to work for you. If you're cutting those things out, they are an integral part of your practice. Just as much as seeing your patients is having that time to A, fill your own cup through self-care time, but also B, have the same amount of time that you would spend with patients doing administration. And when you actually block it out and you you follow the time that you have blocked out and you actually do the things that you're supposed to be doing in that time, that's where you'll really see the overwhelming, um, the sense of overwhelm decreasing and the exhaustion decreasing. And that's where you'll really get a sense of, oh, that's how this all works. So that was a big aha for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where a lot of women get themselves into trouble is when they only have childcare scheduled for the time that they're available for patients. Yeah. Ouch. Because then you are either trying to be mom and business owner at the same time, or you're just ignoring the important stuff that has to be done for you to continue to maintain and grow your business. And neither one of those scenarios feels good. They both feel very overwhelming. So I think maybe it gets a bit easier when our kids are school age because they're gone for longer periods of time. But if you have little ones and you are only scheduling childcare for the hours you have patients scheduled, yeah, this is going to, it's going to be a stretch for you to wrap your mind around, oh, I either have to cut back my available hours for patients to keep my childcare schedule the same, or I have to increase childcare and then potentially also increase expense or cost as well. Yeah. 
again, it's a short-sighted strategy, you know, and if we want to be in this for the long haul, we have to make sure that we protect ourselves and our family so that we can have a sustainable model and longevity in our practices. Absolutely. Yeah. So four big lessons that we took away from the present and profitable 10-day challenge. So just to recap them, it was the first lesson was how resistant we all are to taking care of ourselves. The second lesson was how resistant we can be to setting money goals and to talking about money goals. The third lesson was about how difficult it still is for a lot of people to wrap their heads around the idea of an ideal patient. And the fourth lesson was uh, just realizing once again how important the time we spend in administration and CEO time is and making sure that we have the math right in our time blocking and that we're spending the same amount of time in administration as we are in patient care time. Did you have any last thoughts or insights from that challenge that you wanted to share with our listeners, Danielle? Um, I wasn't prepared for how impactful the experience would be. I we got a lot of good feedback from it and um, people requested more time and it came up a few times because I wanted to be really intentional about protecting our time as like the facilitators of this experience, because it can, to me, it can feel really exhausting to support a Facebook group where there's hundreds of people that are all participating in an activity and then asking questions about it. Um, And I find during a week like that, that I'm on social media a lot more than what I normally would be. And then I need like, I needed some time after that to recover. So I wanted to be really intentional about putting in a stop date on it and not letting it just kind of like go on and on and on. And I know that people had things come up during it that they weren't expecting, which then decreased the amount of time they had available to work on the assignments. I tried to be very intentional about making the assignments short and easy so that it didn't take a lot of time to do all that to say that I don't know exactly how it came up now, but what I realized is we can take this content and, and change the format of it essentially so that anyone can access this at any time and be able to work through these exercises because they are so foundational for the way that we teach members and clients to be present with their families and profitable in their businesses. So it's not all put together yet at this moment. It's in progress, but when it is ready, if you have subscribed to the email list specifically for this experience at alignwomen.com forward slash present, you'll get an automated series of emails that will walk you through step-by-step these exercises that we did in the challenge. Even though it's not ready yet, you can go ahead and subscribe to the list now. And before the end of the year, this series of exercises will be in your inbox. So if you're listening to what we talked about today and you're like, I think I need to do that. Or you had signed up to take part in the challenge and life happened and you didn't get to take part in the challenge when it happened live, then be sure that you're on the email list and you can take part in it on your own time. Yeah, and if you haven't done it, I would I would really encourage you to to subscribe to the email list and get the exercises anyways. I mean, 
I, I would be someone who would think, nah, I probably don't really need that. I think I've got all that nailed down. And I, I was shocked at how many insights I had from it. It's really well put together. I promise you, you are going to learn something about yourself and your practice that will be really outstanding for you. So even if you think you've got this nailed down, subscribe to it anyways. And I promise you, you're going to have a light bulb go on, maybe more. My hope is that anyone that works through these exercises can learn something that would make a huge impact in her practice to help her feel less overwhelmed, more at ease, and be able to take home more money to her family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Okay, so just to make sure that it's clear, if you want to um, be able to take part in the exercises, go over to alignwoman.com forward slash present and enter your email address there. And you will be able to get these emails straight to your inbox when they're ready. All right, Shauna, what do we have coming up on the podcast uh, in the next few weeks? Well, we're going to be talking about making the right friends. So that's, um, that's going to be an interesting talk about how your influencers are actually influencing you. We're going to have a podcast episode coming up on does a small practice actually mean small money? Because I can tell you that that is not the case at all. Small practices can be hugely profitable. And I'm like, high five. I'm going to high five you straight to the screen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then mostly we're going to be really plugging the Elite Women Mastermind, which is our new venture in January of 2019. Danielle and I are so, 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 so excited for this very specific group of women. We've actually already had a few women who have requested seats in it, and we haven't even launched the application yet. There are only going to be eight spots. It's for six-figure women. So you must already have a six-figure practice revenue or multiple six figures, you must have a team of three, including you, and you must be a decision maker in your practice. But one of the things that we found in working with some of these women in our masterminds is that they need a very specific level of support and very specific skills as far as being able to move forward. They want to be in the company of each other, and they are really, really good at sharing ideas, encouraging each other, and helping each other move forward in a way that, you know, if your practice isn't at that level yet, you just, you can't really fathom the challenges that come with functioning at that level. So, Ladies, if that's you, this is for you out there. I want to invite you to apply. It's at alignedwomen.com forward slash elite. Fill out the application. The application deadline is January the 7th. But like I said, there's only eight spots and we've already had a few of those spots taken. So I think this is going to fill very, very quickly. It's going to be a wonderful experience. There are some added benefits to this mastermind that we don't have in our other masterminds. There is some one-on-one coaching sessions that are available to you. And we will actually be doing a live meetup that's optional for you, but I think all of you are going to want to take part in it. Um, And it's just something that's special for the elite women. So elite women, uh, sorry, alignedwomen.com forward slash elite. And we look forward to seeing your application soon. Oh, I'm so excited. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, oh my gosh. (sighs) Okay. So that's a wrap for today's episode. Again, thank you so much for being here and listening to this podcast with us today. If you find value in listening, then please share this episode with another woman in chiropractic who you know would also love to hear the podcast too. 
And be sure to come back next week for our next new episode. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today on the Aligned Women podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we would love for you to head on over to iTunes and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join the community of amazing women doctors in our free private Facebook group, Mama Chiropractors, by going to alignedwomen.com slash mama chiropractors. And if you'd love to fast track your success in life and practice, subscribe to the waitlist for the Aligned Women Team group coaching membership by going to alignedwomen.com forward slash join. Have an amazing day and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Aligned Women Podcast.